open, off and Stiley Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The Illawarra Turf Club will host the last of the spring features when the gong will highlight a metropolitan class program on Saturday, November 20. This is the third running of the $1 million race over the Kembla Mile with Mr Seawolf and Arcademus already in the record books. Co-features on the day will be a 1,000 metre open sprint carrying a purse of 300,000 the $100,000 tab highway over the same trip as the gong and the midway of 1,400 metres. Stakes racing will continue at Rosehill Gardens the following week, November 27, with the Group 3 Festival Stakes and the listed Starlight Stakes of 1,100 and the Australian Turf Club Cup over 2,000 metres. It's been a glittering spring carnival and it's not over yet. Ben Looker's riding career is evolving along similar lines to those of jockeys like Greg Ryan and Robert Thompson, who both had opportunities to base themselves in Sydney but preferred to live in the bush. Operating from Dubbo and Cessnock respectively, Ryan and Thompson have won 8,500 races between them. Ben Looker is approaching 1,000 career wins but at just 31 years of age, it's all ahead of him. He's now based at Port Macquarie, which gives him manageable access to race meetings in the Hunter, the North Coast and the New South Wales Tablelands. He rides comfortably at 55k and has the support of a wide range of stables. Ben was born in Gleninus, moved to Grafton at six years of age and was 14 years and nine months when he became apprentice to trainer John Shelton. Ben is married to former jockey and now popular Sky Racing presenter Priscilla Looker and the couple are the proud parents of Orlando, better known as Ollie, who is just 11 months old and keeping them on their toes. Professional jockeys who choose to live in country regions have to come to terms with big mileage and Ben is no exception. As we welcome him to the podcast on Sunday, November the 7th, he's just arrived at the Armadale Racecourse where he has a number of rides and this time he has the company of Priscilla who's about to team up with Gary Cleesey to present the Sky Racing coverage. Great to talk, Ben. I believe you're you're sitting in your car. Yeah, sitting in the car today, so um, it was good. Priscilla's obviously working today, so... She's driving today, which is good because, um, like you said, there's plenty of kilometres. I've got to go to Lismore tomorrow, which is mm. sort of three-and-a-half-hour drive north. So mm. um, it's good to be sitting in the passenger seat today. How long Port Macquarie to Armadale? Uh, it's about a three-hour drive. Um, you go over the range um, to Walker, mm. and then to Urala and then through to Armadale that way. So, um, yeah, obviously the mountain's not fun, um, but part and parcel of the job. Ben, you've had a busy week as always. You were at Kempsey on Friday. You were at Grafton on Wednesday. You were at Ballina last Monday where you rode a winner. 
Now, I want to talk to you about a mare you rode at Grafton. In fact, you won the Jacaranda Cup on this mare, Tara Jasmine, trained by your old boss, John Shelton. She's obviously very talented. She's won six from 12, but all at home. She's had two trips to Sydney and raced well below her best both times. Yeah, she's um, she is a very, very nice mare. Uh, yeah, like you said, she all of her wins have been at home. Um, she's had a couple of trips down to Sydney, and look, her first run down there was in the country championship final, and she got flattened around at the eight hundred. Um, so you could sort of put a line through that run, but obviously, I went on her first up, very impressive at Grafton with sixty one and a half, and. Mm. She went down to a highway and she was just very disappointing that day. Um, obviously, with her rating now so high in the bush, she's very hard to play. She carried 60 the other day in an open and mm. she was only a class five horse. So um, obviously now that she's probably waited out of the, the open company races in the bush, she's going to have to travel. And, um, yeah, whether that's north or south, um, I'm sure John will find the best races for her. Yeah, and does she feel like a good horse, Ben? Does she give you a good feel? She does. Um, she, she's a very, very quiet little thing. Um, she obviously, in her career, she's always had habits of stepping slow and um, getting in behind them and not wanting to go, where this preparation, she's been really good. John chucked the blinkers on her, and she's racing so much more tractable now. And um, mm. she's a very nice horse. I always said Bellflyer was one of the best country horses I rode like he could rarely let rip for about 150 meters where mm. I said to John the other day she can she can sustain a turn of foot for about 300 meters yeah, um, yeah. she's a very nice man she's nowhere near a finished project so it's pretty mm. scary to see what she could get up to in the next six to 12 months we'll be watching it Tara Jasmine now you've got a new trainer in town at Port Macquarie who until recently ran Chris Waller's Gull Coast stable and ran it very successfully. Paul Shaler set up at Port Macquarie recently with about 15 horses and got away to a flying start, and you and he have hit it off. Yeah, we've had good success. He's, um, he's only been training now for about six weeks. Um, he's got very nice horses there. He's got good clients, um, and he's got nice cattle, which is a big plus when you're starting out. Um, but, yeah, we've had a lot of success. He's... I think he's had probably 10 runners now, and I think he's trained five winners and a couple of placings. We mm. we ran second in the Kempsey Cup the other day with a horse called Top Me Up again. But, um, mm. yeah, he's, he's going to – I think he's going to make um, big waves in country racing for sure. Now, your lovely wife, Priscilla, had a short but very successful career as a jockey before being forced out by injury. She rode 300 winners, Ben, of which you'd be well aware – in just five years, and you rated her very highly. Yeah, she was a very good jockey. She, um, like you said, she had a lot of injuries. She um, had plates and screws in both ankles, um, one of her arms, one of her wrists. Mm. She, she was one of them people, She every time something happened, she'd break something. So um, <laughs> Brittle. But, yes, but mm. she um, she was a very good jockey. Yes, yeah, she rode a lot of winners. She... Um, she actually won on Tinto her first start in a race who went on to win a Queensland Oaks for Tim Bell. So, mm. Um, mm. yeah, she was a very good jockey. Yeah, she was a very good jockey. 
You and Priscilla often competed in races together, and every now and again she'd come along and steal the prize off you. Yeah, she um, she beat me a few times. Um, I definitely remember one day at Walker um, on Cup Day, I thought I was home in the race, and the mm. last 20 metres Priscilla flew down the outside and had me on the post. So, mm. yeah, I definitely remember her beating me a few times, but I don't really remember me getting up and beating her very often. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> now, her last ride was on Fun with Indy in the Pink Silks Cup at Coffs Harbour in 2016. She told me she ran fourth and cried all the way home to Port Macquarie. Yes, she did. It was a very emotional day that day. Um, she Obviously, we told her family and that a couple of weeks prior. Um, she just – her body – was just her arm was giving her too much grief and um, it was a very emotional day that day. Um, I was mm. lucky enough to win the race um, on a horse of John Sprague's. I can't quite think of his name, but, um, mm. yeah, it was very emotional drive home. I do remember that quite fondly. And, um, yeah, it would be very hard when your body's sort of stopping you from doing what you love doing. Oh, of course it is. Priscilla's sister, uh, Cassandra, also rode 250 winners before giving it away to run a property at Warhope. It started off as a little spelling farm, but later became a base for retired racehorses, and Cassie was actually employed by Racing New South Wales to rehome those horses. But it, it has now expanded further, hasn't it? What's happening these days? Yeah, obviously... Um, the girls brought the farm about 12, 18 months ago um, and it was obviously a spelling spelling for racehorses and things like that. Um, and then obviously Cassie um, still does the rehoming for racing New South Wales and, um, yeah, they started taking a couple of pre-trainers because there's a big arena there and that. And, mm. uh, it's just got bigger and bigger now. I think they're pre-training and breaking in about – 10 horses to 15 horses at a time and yeah. um, the girls have just put in a new walker and a, and a swimming pool for the horses um, and they're getting a lot of just local trainers even bringing their horses out for a swim of a day and Good. obviously pre-trainers getting there and getting worked and, and having a swim and that. It's, um, they're going mm. really good, the girls are, yeah. And, and Luke and, and the mother as well, Teresa. Uh, absolutely. Well, Cassie and Priscilla – uh, are in charge with valuable help from Cassie's partner, Luke Rolls, your fellow jockey and a very successful one, and your mother-in-law, Teresa. And I hear you pitch in when you're not racing. Yeah, I don't get out there as much as um, I probably should. Um, but, um, yeah, they definitely they do all the hard yards. Um, I sort of go out every now and then and might whip a snip a paddock or something like that. Uh, I don't definitely. <laughs> Don't put in the hard yards like um, the other four do. They definitely um, yeah. work all day pretty much, yeah. Priscilla and Cassandra are the daughters of Dwayne Schmidt, who had a very successful riding career himself before becoming a trainer at Grafton, and he's pretty good at that caper too. You often ride his horses. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was um, obviously um, the girls, um, Dwayne's their father, and on the – on Teresa's side, it's all the Hodges. So Glenn Hodge, he was the leading trainer in Port Macquarie for numerous years, and 
Um, yeah, they're both br- definitely bred to be in racing, the two girls. But, um, yeah, Dwayne, I've always had a bit of um, luck with. I've read a lot of winners for him. I was actually apprenticed to him up in Queensland for the last 12 months of my apprenticeship. Um, he was a very, very good boss, very hard, but um, definitely a very good boss. Um, he did he always gives you a go, you know, um, mm. even when the girls were starting out. And even now he definitely uses me and Luke a lot. So, um, yeah, like I said, he's, he's hard, but he is very fair. You were born in Glen Innes on the New England Rangers and you had absolutely no connection with horses during early childhood. Mum and Dad had no interest in racing, but your grandfather David didn't mind a race meeting and sometimes you got to tag along. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Mum and Dad um, never had anything to do with horses whatsoever. Um and I always remember when I was very young, probably four or five, um, Glen Innes used to have, I think they might have had three or four race meetings a year then. Obviously, now they only have the one meeting a year. But mm. um, I definitely remember going with my grandfather to the races. And um, that's something I'll always remember from a very young age. Um, it's just one of them pinpoint things that you remember in your life. And um, yeah, I definitely remember going to the races and seeing the colours and just something like something just seemed to click with me, and um, yeah, I was always wanted to be a jockey from then. Mm. You were um, only six or seven when uh, Mum and Dad decided to move to Grafton, and that little spark uh, that had been ignited when you went to the races with Granddad suddenly flared, and at age twelve, you gained work experience with John Shelton. It wasn't long before you were on one end of a pitchfork. What was your initial reaction to stable life? Um, I was always, um, I always loved it. To be honest, even um, mucking out the boxes, things like that. I guess because I never really had any horse connection whatsoever. And um, John and Kay, um, the other half of. Um, that operation, um, they really took me under their wing. And um, John had a foreman there at the time called Andrew Carl, um, and he was very good to me. He showed me how to put a head collar on and everything, you know, because when I went there, I, I didn't know anything about horses whatsoever. Um, but I was always just amazed by how big and powerful um, mm. they were. How did you learn to sit on a horse? Uh, Stephen Tracy, um, he was obviously John's stable rider at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, when I left, I was 14 at the time, mm-hmm. and um, they said, if you're going to be a jockey, we better teach you how to ride a horse. So they, <laughs> John and Stephen used to take me out in the back paddock of the morning after they'd finished working all the horses. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I used to try and trot them around the back paddock. Um so definitely owe a lot to Stephen Tracy and John for that aspect, for sure. Now, Stephen Tracy is a marvel, Ben, isn't he? He's certainly in his early 60s and he is yep. still riding in races and keener than ever. Yeah, I actually asked him last Saturday at Coffs Harbour how old he was. I think he said he was 63 or 64. Did he? Um, yeah. He, he, yeah, he's a 
just a workaholic, Stephen. I know when he was um, obviously riding for John, he never would miss a morning at all. Um, mm. I remember there was floods and everything in Grafton, and he'd get someone to drive a boat across the thing, oh, and then John and them would pick him up on the other side, and he'd go ride work and then go home and get in the boat and go back home. Goodness me. Um, he, he definitely was a very hard worker, and, and him and John had a lot of success together. I know they – they won the Ramoni with Mother's Gift, and um, mm. yeah, he wrote a lot of winners for John, um, and he's still writing plenty of winners now, Stephen. Yeah, he's gone good. Mm, I better talk to him on the podcast one day. Yes, yes, yes. He'd have plenty of stories to tell Steve-O. Um, he's, um, yeah, he's a marvel to be doing it at his age, and, and he still rides work six days a week. So yeah, Good um, on him. He's a worker. Yeah. Definitely, definitely so. 10th of October, 2006 is a date you won't forget in a hurry. Your boss gave you a couple of rides at a Grafton meeting. Your first race ride was on a horse called a Glazed, which finished out of a place. But later in the day, you bobbed up on a horse called Unfair in a 1,400-metre Class 2, your first winner, and you were 16 years old. Yeah, it's a day I'll never forget. Um... My mum and dad were there and my grandfather come down and my uncles and, um, yeah, I, I still remember it was the last race um, that day at Grafton and John actually had to win the race and he had another horse that Stephen was actually on and mm. he thought Stephen's would win. He said, go out and roll along in front but stay out of Stephen's road if he calls to you. <laughs> um, and I didn't know. I was just – obviously the horse could just – took charge of me and kept running. Um, mm. But, yeah, that was a very, very good day to obviously went on unfair. And um, he was a tricky horse. He, he he never won very often, but he'd always bob up at big odds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still remember that day. Well, you took off like a prairie fire after that, riding winner after winner. And some time later, Ben, you got an opportunity to join Gay Waterhouse in Sydney. Now, you told me once when you turned up at Randwick as an 18-year-old in 2009, you rated yourself at least the equal of Lester Piggott. Yeah, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder as a (laughs) younger fella. Obviously, in the bush, I rode a lot of winners and I probably rode them too quick. Mm. Um, It definitely went to my head and... um, Oh, I'm the first to admit it. I had definitely had an attitude problem when I went down to gaze, and mm. um, she definitely snapped that out of me. Um, I definitely, I, I did work hard there. Um, it was a lot different Sydney lifestyle to Grafton lifestyle, and um, even the hours. You know, you'd start at Johnny's at five thirty in the morning, where at Gaze we were starting at three o'clock, and mm. obviously um, twelve o'clock to two o'clock of an afternoon shift um definitely brought me back to earth it was a very very good experience i got to ride a lot of good horses and Mm. um yeah i'm very grateful for the three months i spent down there at gaze you won four straight on john singleton's good mare once were wild and shortly after that nashra willard jumped on and won the ajc oaks yes she was a very good mare once were wild um 
I never forget the week before I rode one of Gaze and it stepped slow and I rode it quiet and she got up me and said, if they step slow, you still go forward on it. And the week later, I was on once for a while and she come out last mm. and I circled the whole field and, and she put a gap in them. And it was that stage I thought she was going to be a very nice horse. Mm. I was Obviously, as she progressed further on, she was putting it all together and um, she just went through the grades at the right time as a three-year-old filly and um, – I think she Nash won one on her at Randwick, and then I think she got beat in the Vinery, and then come out and won the Oaks um, mm. by a long way. Yeah, she was a very good mare. But she got to ride some really nice horses. Work uh, for Gay, didn't you? In that time, yes, I did. I was able to ride more Joyce. Um, I was actually lucky enough to exhibition Galloper one day at Randwick. It was my first um, meeting down there. Gay let me exhibition Galloper. Mm. Um, Obviously, I used to ride once where wild all her work and Thessio um, was there at the same time. Yeah, Rock yeah. Kingdom was there. Manhattan Rain. Mm. Um, Gay had very good horses there at the time, and um, yeah, it was amazing getting on the horses like More Joyous and Manhattan Rain and Thessio. Mm. Obviously, being in Grafton, you'd open the newspaper and there was always stories about them. Um, yeah. To be able to sit on their back was a very surreal moment. If you had to nominate a role model in the early part of your career, I think you'd plump for a young bloke whose career started in Coffs Harbour before he went on to win multiple Hong Kong premierships against some of the best jockeys in the world. Yeah, that's correct. I I remember when I went to Grafton races one day... um, Zach Burton won the South Grafton Cup on a horse called Precise Timing for Ross Stitt. Mm-hmm. And um, I just idolised him from the t- from that time onwards. I used to get the stewards replay footage and I'd sit there and just watch him ride. And I always, from day dot, I always tried to try and style myself on Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we become good friends. We still speak regularly. Um and he's always good if I've got some advice, I'll text him and he, he's always willing to help. And, um, yeah, he's definitely been an, an, a highlight, uh, an idol for me from day dot. A special horse came into your life in the middle of 2017 by the name of Victorum. Now, you won six races on him all up, including a country championship qualifier and the final at Randwick. Now, in the final, coming up the rise, you were being held in a tight pocket by Karen McAvoy on a horse called Don't Give a Damn, and for a couple of strides, you were in bother. But suddenly, a run appeared between horses to your inside, and you were off and gone, didn't he, Dash? Yeah, he was a very good horse to me, Victoria. He really got me going, so to speak. Um it sort of all kept plateauing off that. Like um, he definitely got me going, and um, Jenny and the owners they they stuck by me and and they left me on him. You know he um, he got beat his first start in a race at Casino. He come out of the gates and and started buck jumping on me. Um, <laughs> and, Not nice uh, feeling, isn't it? <laughs> no, yeah, I actually hadn't rode him at all before then. That was my mm. first ever sit on his back, and I thought, Jesus. He's a rat, this thing. But um, <laughs> he he was about 30 lengths off him and ran fourth. Like, his run was absolutely amazing after the race. I was like, wow, he's something there. And I made sure I went in and I started riding him work all the time. And um, mm. 
he just went right through his grades. He, he won at Kempsey, just an average two-year-old race. He went to Grafton and won the big two-year-old plate beat and run away. Mm. Um, and then he obviously come back and he won a highway and then the qualifier in the final. But, um, yeah, that day to win the final was, yeah, it was amazing. I remember me and Priscilla broke down on the Friday night and we're sitting in the motel on the Saturday morning. I said, imagine if this horse wins the country championships today. How good would that be? And, mm. yeah, a few hours later. Um, it came true. Come true, yeah. It was definitely hairy for a little bit. I tried to edge don't give a damn out and obviously Karen was still travelling all right and shut the door on me and mm. I was just very fortunate that a run appeared back to the inside and, and he done the rest. Oh, didn't he? Two strides and the race was over. Now, you rode him in the Kosciuszko of 2018. He ran fifth, three and a bit lengths behind Bell Flyer on a very heavy track. He did well to finish so close. He wasn't happy at all, was he? No, he definitely um, definitely wasn't. He, I know he won his first start on a heavy track at Kempsey, but he, he never liked it. Um, and that day in Sydney, I had a nice run. I had Bell Flyer 3D just outside me and... Mm. Um, his wheels were just spinning in it, you know. Um, yeah. He didn't disgrace himself. He, he's got a big heart and he, he kept trying to find the line and, um, yeah, he just wasn't comfortable that day. It was a very heavy track. Now, there was a win in Brisbane, Ben, some time later, which really showcased his talent. It was a stakes race called the Hinkler Handicap, named after the famous aviator. He was last of 12 coming around the turn and I'm sure you'd given up. What happened after that? Yeah, he um, he was obviously back in the field and wasn't really going anywhere. I was trying to find a run to the outside, which didn't really eventuate, so I had no choice but to ride for luck. And uh, as the race built on, he, he just kept building on. Um, once he got to the furlong, he really hot, hit top gear. I still wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pick up YPO, who had sort of quickened away from him, but... Um, mm. Yeah, it was a very big win that day. He was actually in emergency for the Stradbroke and didn't get in. Yeah. And he had 51 and a half in the Stradbroke. I still feel if he would have got into the Stradbroke the same day, mm. uh, he would have run a really big race with 51 and a half on his back. Not long after that Hinkler win on Victorum, you got the thrill of a lifetime when offered the ride on a Kiwi horse called Sacred Day in the Grafton Cup in your hometown. You came from midfield, you got an inside run on the home turn big enough to put a bus through, and you got home narrowly from Sopressa and Vaucluse Bay. That was a hell of a buzz. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, obviously, been in Grafton majority of my life, um, from a young kid going to the races, or even when I was starting out strapping and starting out riding even, um, to even think that I was going to get a get rides in a Grafton Cup for a New Zealand trainer on a very nice three-year-old, I would have sort of said, you're kidding yourself. But um, mm. as it worked out, um, he was down in the weights and um, Tony Pike couldn't find a rider that could ride the minimum. Um, I think he spoke to Michael Beatty who said, why don't you give Ben a go? He rode a lot of winners here at Grafton and um, – mm. Yeah, it was a dream come true. The race just worked out perfect. He drew barrier one and just poked along midfield. And everywhere I wanted to go, it just seemed to open for me. It was just one of them races where everything worked out. Um, obviously, hitting the line, I showed a fair bit of, of emotion. 
for Luton and mm. yeah. But um, yeah, it was a dream come true to win a Grafton Cup, and I can always say that I was able to win my hometown cup. You mentioned Bellflyer earlier. You knew him really well. You rode him eleven times all up, six wins, including a Moree Cup and a Warwick Cup on the Darling Downs. Uh, you may have been on him in the Kosciuszko win had Victorum not been around. Yeah, I could have rode him. I was obviously Victorum was one of the favourites, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I went with Victorum. Um, who I think if it was a dry track um, and he was able to show his best, I've got no doubt he could win a Kosciuszko. Obviously, he's been around the mark and been placed in the last few of them. Um, but Belfly, he was a very good horse to me. I, um, he come, come from Melbourne um, and then obviously was up in North Queensland and um, the owners rung John up and asked him, did they want to take this horse on? And mm. my first hit on him was obviously a Casino Cup. First up 1,400, he ran second. And, um, yeah, he was a just – it was whatever Johnny done with him, he didn't work him a lot. He used to just take him down to the Clarence River and swim him a lot. And mm. it just got the old horse ticking, you know. He he, yeah. he was a good thrill, a good horse to me. Um, obviously, he won at Moree. He won at Warwick, won at Ballina, and he won two Saturday races up at the Sunshine Coast. He was, mm. he was a very good horse to me, yeah. He was an old gentleman, he was. You were down to ride him in the 2018 Ramoni Handicap in which he ran second, but you had to be replaced after being in a race fall earlier in the day. Now, that fall, Ben, left you with vertigo, which persisted for many weeks, probably your worst tumble. Yeah, it was a – I've obviously had a couple of falls in my younger days and broken collarbones and – arms and wrists and things like that. But um, that fall at Grafton, yeah, it really knocked me around with the vertigo. Um, took me probably nearly two months to get back. Mm. I just didn't have any balance at all. I'd look down at the ground or I'd look up at the sky and I'd and fall over. And um, oh, dear. I just had no energy. I'd get out mm. of bed and walk to the lounge and I'd had to lay down. I was, It really knocked me around um, mm. that day, yeah. That was a, definitely my worst fall for sure. Despite the big thrill of winning the Grafton Cup, this was about the time you hit a rough patch emotionally. You you lost your focus. You became very disillusioned with racing and by your own admission, you got off the rails for a while. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Obviously, um, I'd been going flat out for pretty much the two years prior um, trying to write 100 winners in a season, and I was able to do that, but um, sort of lost focus on what was making me happy, which um, mm. obviously sitting in the car every single day, going different directions, mm. I, I wasn't enjoying it, um, and I got very stale on it. And um, yeah, I um, definitely I, I started drinking too much, and mm. just for the wrong reasons too. You know, I, I was cranky and um depressed and and i just started drinking and Mm. obviously you think you've got it under control until you get to a point when you realize you don't have it under control and um i took a break away from racing i I went to a rehabilitation center in bali and um, good on you yep it was the best thing one of the best things i've ever done I, i really enjoyed it um i obviously learned a lot about myself um, 
and it was probably the first time in my life where I didn't have someone looking after me, where I've always had someone, whether it be my parents or John and Kay or mm. um, over there, I, I really made me grow up and just appreciate what you have in life. Um, that was, yeah, it was one of the best things I ever did. Mm. Appreciate your honesty, Ben. Now take that one rocky patch out of the equation and your statistics over the last six or seven seasons have been quite amazing. Just looking at some of the figures, last season, 75 winners. The year before, 78. And going back uh, year by year, 99 and a half, 93, 91, 68, 80.5 in the 2014-15 season. Very impressive. And for most of the time, you've been pretty focused on the job. Yeah, obviously. um, Well, I do plenty of kilometres. I'm very lucky. I've got good support from um, a lot of stables. I don't really have a big stable behind me, but um, I've got a lot of support from trainers that I ride for week in, week out, um, who obviously – Obviously, have nice cattle going around, and I'm just fortunate enough that I'm able to get on. And um, but obviously, like I said, um, you do do plenty of travelling. Um, I know the last sort of two years, I've definitely cut back on the travelling as such, and uh, try and just manage it that little bit better. Um, so it keeps me happier. Um, obviously, before with the drinking issue, um, I would just the car and go whatever direction I had to but mm. you can't do it it's very hard to keep that up for 12 months a year I, I take my hat off to people like Robert Thompson and Greg Ryan and yeah. and Matthew Carl the amount of kilometres they do and mm. um, yeah it's very hard but um, I just definitely cut back on some of my trips that I do to just just try and keep my mind fresh and obviously now with Orlando Ollie coming along, um, mm. I try and spend time with him as well. Mm. Ben, I'll get you to stand by there for one moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Ben Looker after this. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder. Time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website, mitovite.com, or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. My special guest is top country jockey Ben Looker. You've ridden many doubles and trebles, and on three occasions you've landed four winners in a day. The first time was at Grafton, the second was at Bow Desert, and the third at Ballina. Now, the Bow Desert Quartet included the Cup winner. Yeah, all night saint for Lauren and Brad Hearn. Um, I obviously rode a lot of 
for Lauren and Brad, and, and I've rode a lot of winners for them too. And um, it was one of the seasons I was chasing 100 winners. Um, and I think I'd rode 90, 99 and a half in New South Wales, and I went up to Queensland um, to try and get the 100. And uh, I was lucky I rode three winners earlier in the day. I had very good rides that day. I rode a winner for Chris Waller and Barry Baldwin and, mm. and uh, Matthew Dunn. And I come into all night up, and I was on. I think I was on nine winners season, and in the cup and get four winners was amazing. But also to ride your hundredth winner for the season, mm. uh, yeah, it was it was a really good thrill that day. As you mentioned earlier, you spent a lot of time with your eleven months old son Ollie, who's not quite walking yet, but he is on one of those little walking aids upon which he is bordering on reckless. Yeah, he's um he's very dangerous in that. He's uh, <laughs> the poor dog, he's a he's eleven years old. He he's get he's got skittled a couple of times by <laughs> in the walker and the dog don't think it's funny, but Ollie thinks it's hilarious. Oh, uh, does he <laughs> he thinks it's funny, yeah. So um he's just yeah he's the most amazing kid. Um yeah, he's a dream come true. He's definitely at that stage now where he's into everything. Um, he sneaks under the stairs and he's trying to get up the stairs and in the bin and, mm. yeah, he's definitely into everything. This morning he was into the dog's water and biscuits, um, splashing them around. And <laughs> Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely got plenty of life life about him. He's got plenty of energy. But, um, mm. yeah, he's a very good kid. He's um, yeah, it's amazing him coming up. Sure. You're riding on a lot of different race tracks in the northern region. Haven't country tracks improved? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I always say that um, Tony Crisafi had a big thing. He he he's been very good for the jockeys. Um, he's obviously the president of the New South Wales Jockeys Association, but just um, like. Barriers and and running rails now we've all been plastic running rails instead of them old steel ones or mm. some tracks were still wooden. Um, it, it, just the safety aspect has definitely improved a lot, um, and the prize money from Mister Valandis. Um, I know when I started out, I think it was one hundred and forty dollars a ride. Now it's two hundred and twenty dollars mm. a ride, and and the Incredible. prize money kept improving and improving. Mm. $220 a losing ride, whether you run second or 14th. Uh, ben, the hard-working jockey, the bloke who's prepared to travel uh, and push him around for all of those bush trainers can make a pretty good living. Oh, definitely. Um, it's definitely a very re- rewarding job if you're willing to put in the hard yards. and um, the, the thing with... Country racing, if, if you don't go to a meeting um, for someone that you might normally ride for, um, someone else is going to ride them. And if they're lucky enough to win on them, it's very hard to get back on them horses. So mm. obviously you, you need to try and be as loyal as you can to the people that you're riding for constantly because at the end of the day, they're the people, the trainers and the owners that are putting you on. So, mm. um, yeah, it is a very rewarding job. Um, obviously there's plenty of 
hours and, and days you're not at home. But um, I think that's um, part and parcel of the job, isn't it? Yeah. Ben Looker, great to catch up, mate. And going right back to the introduction, I repeat, you might be the country-based jockey to follow in the footsteps of two legendary horsemen in Greg Ryan and Robert Thompson. And at 31 years of age, your journey is only just beginning. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know if I'll ever get to the amount of winners that Greg and Robert rode, but um, I think I'm on 970 winners now, so I'd be happy to get these next 30 and and get to 1,000 winners. It would be amazing. And, um, yeah, look, I'm very lucky. I've got Priscilla, who's the best thing that ever happened to me. She she definitely keeps me grounded, and um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without her. No way in the world. You've just got a thousand points. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I know, Benny. Great for to talk, mate. Thank you for your time. I know you've been sitting patiently in your car at the Armadale Racecourse. Thanks for your time on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thank you very much. The English digital online sales platform continues to be the industry's number one place to buy and sell a horse online. With almost 9,000 registered bidders, it's the one-stop shop for tried horses, for broodmares and for racehorse shares. Sellers are delighted by a regular clearance rate of over 80%. Buyers are aware that more than 2,000 races around Australia last season were won by English digital graduates. With two sales every month, you no longer need to wait forever to buy or sell a horse in Australia. Head to englishdigital.com.